anytime that you're restricting yourself from sleep or you think it's more important to binge watch this show and you stay up in a blue lit environment, what are you really doing? You're stealing biological time from the end of your life, right? Or whatever disease that you you're susceptible to later on, you're going in fast forward to get there. So there's a difference between chronological age and now there's something that's called chronobiological age. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and today we have Dr. Corey Gazvini, also known as the Optimal Light Doc. He's a doctor of oriental medicine, and Corey is a licensed acupuncturist and traditional Chinese herbologist, and he's nationally board certified in biomedicine. He graduated summa cum laude from Florida College of Integrative Medicine in 2019 and earned his uh, master's in oriental medicine. He is in private practice in Tallahassee, Florida, and he's the CEO and leading clinician of Optimal Light. And Optimal Light is a health education initiative providing coaching and education to clients worldwide. And if you don't already, be sure to follow him on Instagram. He puts out really great content on there um, regarding light. Using the integration of the ancient philosophies of the East and then meeting them with the modern scientific innovations of the West, Corey provides his clients with the actionable information they need to achieve the quantum leap toward optimal health. So trying to decipher nature's message, his ultimate goal is to answer all of life's most enduring questions like who are we and where did we come from? Why do we get sick? And really what makes us healthy? He is currently writing the series on the the origins of biology and how light created life I'm an evolution on Patreon, which is a online membership portal. So if you're interested in really reading more of this and learning more about it, definitely check him out on that platform. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So join the revolution, reconnect with nature, which as you're going to learn in today's episode, that is really where epigenetics reverse disease. So we're going to talk a lot today about how our environment can impact our epigenetics either in a positive way or a negative way. And we're going to try to hit on a few really key topics today. Um, We're going to start with epigenetics, go into the laws of nature, really hit on light and circadian rhythm and how we can really reduce blue light, you know, toxicity essentially in our current modern environment with all of our technology and office work. And then we're going to wrap it up with um, EMF or electromagnetic frequency. So the little AirPods that we love putting in our ears when we work out, we're going to talk about why that may not be the best idea for our health. So Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us today. 
We're delighted to have you. Before we dive into all of that, I want you to just give us a background of who you are, right? So what, how did you go into Oriental medicine? And then what are just some things that you like to do? Because I told you beforehand, I feel like you're kind of like a guy that just likes to mull things over and do really deep dives into research. And so I was kind of wondering like, what does he do for fun? I wonder. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself before we dive into the, to the meat of the episode. Sure. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and I appreciate the opportunity and I'm so glad to be here on your platform and have this discussion with you, especially uh, being a like-minded and most knowledgeable person as yourself. I do think that your ability to decipher complicated information and deliver it to your, your viewers is really a great service and I've enjoyed watching several of your videos already Thanks. and I look forward to the rest of them that you can provide. Uh, but I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, what my path to get to where I am was. Um, actually, in my 20s, I was a, just being a musician, and I hadn't really figured out yet what I wanted to do with my education. I, I was sporadically taking courses here and there, and I was traveling a lot. At one time, I was playing in I think five different bands that were playing a lot of shows out of town and I went all around the country and uh, that lifestyle is pretty detrimental to your health. And I went down a spiraling path, uh, you know, during that age where a lot of my, um, a lot of my biological functions started to, to really decline and, and and mostly it was my cognition right and it spurred from from developing chronic insomnia hmm. and it was a problem that i developed and once i once i really couldn't sleep and that happened uh, over over years at a time it was just something i i couldn't escape so no matter what it was that i did you know, whether it be changing my diet or exercising more, I, I was just continuing to get worse, right? And at some point along the line, uh, I was able to get referred to an acupuncturist here in Tallahassee, where I currently am. And I actually got some results there and it helped a little bit. And I was able to improve my sleep to a certain degree, but you know, I still had insomnia and the difference between having seen an acupuncturist and my traditional doctor was that she was trying to explain to me what I needed to change in my own behaviors and my own lifestyle to improve my current health care condition or my current health condition, I should say. And no one had ever really explained that to me. And, you know, the lifestyle that I was living was the exact opposite of optimal. Uh, we would play, we were usually the headlining band whenever we would have tours. So we wouldn't play until like 11 o'clock at night. And we'd be under high intensity blue light and surrounded by non-native electromagnetic fields with the instruments and stuff like that. And then, uh, after we'd play, 
we'd go straight to somewhere like Taco Bell and eat a cheap meal, right? Because we weren't really um, making a ton of money while we were doing that. And, you know, when she, when she tried to explain how, um, how the lifestyle that I was living was not in congruency with the cycles of nature, and she said that I was, I was getting abstracted from yin and yang, I didn't know what that meant, but I decided that I really wanted to figure out what it did mean. So I got a book on Chinese medicine. And by the time I got through like the third chapter, I realized like, you know, could I, could I really learn everything about oriental medicine? And would that explain to me what my problem really is or would I find the solutions there? And it wasn't within a matter of uh, two weeks that I found the nearest acupuncture school and I broke my lease, quit my job, sold everything that I owned and, and went to go study there and to finish grad school. And I think the real reason that I was so inspired to do it though is because just that one spark of the idea uh, was already stimulated probably from a young age. Uh, my dad's actually a chiropractor and he's a naturopathic doctor as well. So I'm a second generation natural practitioner and I never really intended for that to happen, but it, it only makes sense that, that I would be drawn you know, to that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that about you, that you played in a band. And I think sometimes, isn't that true that we do all of the wrong things and we have issues that we have our own issues to figure out. And then we really go down the deep rabbit hole of research and we come out the other side, just so passionate to help other people. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and so it wasn't until I got to acupuncture school and I had to face the challenge of, you know, we were taking like 24 credit hours a semester. It was a really high paced program. And I was struggling big time. Like I can make the grades, but I would have to do a lot more studying than the other students around me uh, because I was making so many mistakes and had already made so many mistakes in my past, you know, regarding lack of sleep. And, and that even led to me being stupid enough to being vegan at the time I became vegan for like six years. Hmm. And that was, uh, it was really, not only was I lacking an environmental energy, but I was also lacking a nutritive energy. So it was just a double whammy and the perfect storm. Hmm. And for me to be able to understand one page of information, it would really take like five times reading one single page when I was studying the books. And I was getting a lot of treatment there in the school clinic and it would help, right? For a period of time. And then within 24 or 48 hours, I sort of felt the exact same way that I did before. And at some point I started to think like, well, is this really, is acupuncture going to help get me better, right? Or is it going, 
how am I going to learn from Chinese medicine how how to behave myself in the appropriate way like the acupuncturist my own personal acupuncturist were telling me about and I and I sort of uh, came to the realization at uh, some point along the line that if I'm if I'm not following the cycle of nature meaning the day and night cycle of yin and yang then it doesn't matter what it is that I eat it doesn't matter you know what it is that I do as far as the exercise or as far as the meditation, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, um, I'm not going to be able to regenerate myself properly because that's what the yin aspect of nature really is. And that's when I went on a tangent of my own research and started to learn about circadian rhythm. And I had never really heard about what that really was. But once I understood that the circadian rhythm is dominated by the light that's in your environment, and, and most specifically, the light that's going into our eyes, that's when I started to change things a lot. That's when I started to spend more time out in the sun. And that's when I started to spend less time at, in artificial light at night. And when I tell you that all my problems went away in a matter of weeks, it was astounding. So I started to apply the same ideas to the patients there in my clinical internship uh, because they were having the same situation too. And I found that the ones that were proactive about their own health practices had, they always achieved success. The ones that depend on therapeutic modalities, they think that someone else is going to fix them, they tended to stay the same, right? So what I always try to make sure to do is to empower every single person that I can interact with, that there is no doctor or practitioner that's going to fix your problem you are the one in the driver's seat of your own health, right? And your body is something that you have, right? So you need to take care of it as if it's your baby. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And, it, and we have this quantum computer in our head called a brain that makes us smarter than all of the environment around us. And we are able to change our environment. No animal in nature is able to do that. And because we're smart enough to do that, that's how we create our own disease. Because nature is never creating disease. She's always trying to heal you. Let's talk about epigenetics. I think that and the laws of nature, I think that's a great segue into just giving people a foundation so that they can better understand your advice when it comes to the circadian rhythm and the EMF um, that we're going to talk about later. So will you give us an overview of what you've learned from your studies regarding the laws of nature? You know, you said nature's always trying to heal. We're smart enough to create our own artificial environments and that's contributing to disease. And so many people are missing this. I missed this for a long time. I'm still learning about it. So give us an overview of both the laws of nature and epigenetics. You know, what, what do those mean and how does your environment impact your epigenetics to create disease? Sure. 
if you ever take a look at my website, uh, actually say that optimal light is acupuncture and evolutionary medicine. But what really is evolutionary medicine? It's the implementation of the understanding of how and what type of environment built nature and built organisms, you see, because from the work that Bruce Lipton did mostly um, whenever he was a PhD researcher and studied bioengineering and studied genetics and epigenetics, it's been proven, right, that regardless of the, the snips and snaps or the genetic phenotypes and representations that you have in the DNA, if you take any cell that is expressing disease and you, and you take that cell and move it to a Petri dish, meaning its environment that is more optimal for that particular cell, then the cell begins to get better, right? The vice versa is also true. Anytime you take a cell that is uh, showing like optimal health and it's in a Petri dish that's optimal, you move that cell to a suboptimal environment, it very quickly starts to get ill and represent disease, regardless of what the genetic representation is. And those types of studies have been reproduced thousands of times. And we know this is definitively how disease works beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? But the unfortunate truth is the modern scientific paradigm has uh, created a uh, singular viewpoint when it comes to disease mechanisms meaning it's a reductionist perspective. Modern scientific research is done to find one single or one minute mechanism that can explain how disease occurs. And it's really not that simple. The reason that, that it's actually done that way is because um, the unfortunate truth is that with monetized research, there's always a profit agenda, right? And, and that's uh, something that if you haven't come to terms with, at some point in your life, you eventually will. And so evolutionary medicine takes in the understanding of how man came to be and what was he doing at the time. An ancestral health perspective, a lot of times say like ancestral nutrition, right? What did he eat? And that can explain exactly how, um, you know, we evolved from primate to become a more advanced human being that's the most complex organism on the planet. But from my side of viewing things, I tried to get across to the point that it wasn't so much what the human ate that allowed him to be well and, and to be optimal. It was more so the optimal environment that yielded the, um, the perfect organism. And so what do I really mean by that when I say that? I, I think that there's a specific uh, indication to each type of body type and where you are on the planet geographically 
has a specific imprint. Uh, if you see different body types, like uh, people that live in equatorial zones, they have much darker pigmentation, and that's a representation of the amount of light that they're exposed to their, in their environment, right? And we know that human beings originated in equatorial Africa, right? And moved out of Africa into Northern Europe uh, sometime around 300,000 years ago, right? And what happened when they did, their, their skin pigmentation got much uh, lighter, their skin became transparent, they got lighter eye colors to allow more light to assimilate into the system, right? You have to think, nature doesn't do anything by accident. It always has a specific purpose and a reason to do it. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense on the evolutionary aspect. I do want to put a disclaimer in because I'm a Christian and I know a lot of my audience members are, and I think that it's very important that even if we're talking about evolution, maybe that's a different spiritual paradigm, but there's, I think that these worlds can live together. And I think that we need to really see the truth that he's speaking today and not have what is a learning bias, you know, towards okay, so maybe you may not believe in evolution, but that doesn't discount all of the truth that Corey's bringing today to this interview. So I really just wanted to put that disclaimer out because I know me five or 10 years ago may have done that. And I really don't want people to lose the wisdom that you're sharing today, simply because you're speaking of evolution. You know, we cannot discount what you're saying today. So yeah, go ahead. Sure. And if that perspective contradicts your beliefs, then, you know, it's okay because that's really not that important. Uh, what's really important is that for thousands of years, many thousands, we have stood on a planet that is circulating, right, and rotating around the sun and spinning at a thousand miles per hour continuously, meaning day and night day and night forever, right? And right. that's that's occurred, you know, since the beginning of man on this planet, yep. right? And you have to sort of uh, realize that nature took that programming and it utilized it in a very specific way. And and it turns out that it's not so important, you know, what you eat. It's more so the type of light that's in your environment that dictates how well you're actually going to be. And we're going to talk about some of those things, right? Go for it. Yeah, I think that'd be a good segue to, to talk about, like, what does that mean? You know, when you're talking about an optimal environment, tell us, especially light, what is an optimal light environment? Mm -hmm. So everything in nature has an oscillatory effect right it oscillates night and day is an oscillation it's an on and off switch wakefulness and being asleep that's an oscillation our blood pressure oscillates in a similar way our body temperature and all of the hormonal functions are oscillatory as well right and during the morning time we have an elevated level of cortisol it's a very natural correspondence to being exposed to light. And also, you know, if you eat breakfast in the morning, that can help facilitate that programming as well. And then in the evening time, right, cortisol drops off and then melatonin 
begins to be secreted and becomes much more active, right? And everyone uh, kind of has heard of melatonin, but they really don't know what its real functions are. You know, metal, melatonin is by far the most underrated hormone. I truly believe that. And what most people don't realize is that melatonin and cortisol are antagonistic to each other, right? Mm. So anytime that you elevate cortisol, you suppress melatonin, and it's also the contrasted effect, right? It's true. So in the evening time, melatonin is supposed to suppress cortisol. Uh, we don't have to spend too much time talking about the effects of cortisol because I think most of the listeners already know that cortisol is a very important hormone, but in excess, it can cause a ton of biological problems, right? Yep. And it turns out that cortisol is most activated by exposure to light in your eyes, right? And specifically blue light. And how does that really work? You have two pathways from the eyes to the brain. You have your optical pathway, which you use to see. But what most people don't really realize is that your eyes also have an energetic pathway, right? And that energetic pathway goes to the suprachiasmatic nucleus, where it is programming the hypothalamus that activates the pituitary gland. Hmm. See? Mm-hmm. And the pituitary gland is uh, directly corresponded to all the cortisol and hormones of the like, the active hormones that is on an axis against the pineal gland where melatonin is secreted. Both of those important glands are antagonized by each other. So you cannot use both at the same time, right? So Mother Nature designed, or God, I should say, if that's what your belief system is. Anyone. And I'm really big on that. Like there is truth everywhere. Yeah, there's truth everywhere. So yeah, go ahead. Mother Nature, God, whoever Mm -hmm. you believe in. Same thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, God really created this brilliant mechanism for us to know when to wake up, right? Because mm-hmm. we had these environmental cues, see? So light isn't just energy, right? Because you can think of photosynthesis, and that is how life really got started on the planet from cyanobacteria, right? Photosynthesis and plants predated complex life, complex animals on the planet. Yep. And so that's the m- most foundational aspect of how life fundamentally works photosynthesis meaning light activation well all these programs really occur in you as well so it's not just the energy behind light light also contains within it information right tell us more about that because that's new to me in the audience that light contains information i think everyone's probably followed along up until this point you know okay the, the light in the morning is meant to stimulate cortisol to wake us up. Okay. But mm-hmm. what do you mean when you say the information that the light has information? Mm-hmm. So each and every part of the wavelength, uh, anyone that's ever seen a rainbow on the horizon or, um, 
a rainbow through a prism, right? Knows the acronym Roy G. Biv and sees all of the colors, right? Each and every part of the wavelength has a specific biological function. When it goes from even the, the non-visible parts of the spectrum, like ultraviolet light, right? And then the non-visible uh, infrared wavelengths also have specific biological functions. So you have to realize that when the sun rises, when humans evolved in the wild, right? There's an equal balance of red and blue. And the sun is always 50% red. Hmm. And the amount of blue light in a sunrise is very low in the, at, when it first breaks the horizon, right? So anyone that's seen the sunrise knows that it's an orange amber color, right? It's and that that bluish ratio is measured in what's called the Kelvin range, right? So it's around 1800 Kelvin when it breaks the horizon. And you know that not only does the sun get brighter, but the color temperature changes as well. So the amount of blue light that's coming from the sun in nature starts to increase as the day progresses towards solar noon, right? That is telling your body that it's time to get up and go. That is what progresses your biological clocks, right? Because like we were talking about, the hypothalamus is programmed by something called the SCN. And that's the suprachiasmatic nucleus. That's the main central clock that always pays attention to light stimulation, right? It's your retina is directly sending signals there. Most people don't realize your, your retina is actually part of your brain. Your eyes are part of your brain in that way, right? So it's not just to see, it's also to oscillate what time it is, right? And there's also a, an effect to how dilated or contracted your pupils are that's constantly telling your body what time it is, right? So because there are so many complicated mechanisms that the body's trying to go and complete throughout the day, it has to function on a schedule fashion, stepwise to be able to do different things appropriately because it cannot do everything all at once, right? Mm -hmm. So regeneration happens at night, but there's also you know cortisol which breaks down and there's degradation and activation during the day. So as the sun reaches solar noon, you get to its brightest point of the day where it has the most blue light in its natural spectrum. That's around 6,500 Kelvin, right? The unfortunate reality is all of the screens that we use to go onto the internet to watch television and modern LED blue artificial lights are around 6,500 Kelvin in color temperature. So what does that really mean? That means that when you're indoors, when you're looking at your phone, when you're on your computer at the office, your brain always thinks that it's solar noon, right? If you're at night, if you're spending your personal time, if you're uh, if you know if your kids are in the other room playing Xbox and you're watching Netflix, 
your brains, meaning your entire body, thinks that it's solar noon, right? Mm-hmm. And cortisol is up. Even Excellent. if we're not physically stressed, it's up because of our light environment. Right. That just clicked for me right now that you don't always have to be feeling stressed to have high cortisol. And my listeners know that leads to high glucose and high insulin and weight gain. Really interesting point. Exactly right. Right. So when you, when you hear people that exercise a ton and you hear people that eat extremely well and understand the importance of an animal-based diet, yet they still have problems reducing inflammation and they still have problems being overweight. This is the more fundamental truth that you have to come to reality with is that your environment is what's going to dictate the trajectory of your cells going forward, right? And if you're in a blue lit artificial environment, you are constantly elevating cortisol. You are constantly uh, provoking insulin and blood glucose, right? So how in the world is intermittent fasting or eating low carbohydrate diet ever going to help your insulin resistance when you have a, a constant elevated insulin, you know, all From night long, light. right? Yeah. And, and it's true. I told you before, this is not a part of my program, but it will be in the next iteration because you see that I see that I yeah. see people really trying to reduce their carbs. I love that you talk about an animal-based diet. <laughs> the plant-based diet is quite overrated, especially when it comes to insulin resistance. And, um, yeah. it's a crucial pivotal, one of those cornerstone pieces of health that because it's all around us, we tend to ignore it and we tend to overlook its importance, but we can't. Yeah. Because the environment that created our biology, right? That's mother nature. She did not intend for us to have artificial light at night. Right. Mm -hmm. And some point along the line, we got smart enough to contain fire. Uh, that was actually a big mistake uh, in evolutionary terms because it, that was the beginning of us destroying our circadian rhythms. But it turns out fire is not, is not the same thing as the screens that we use today. Fire is only around 1800 Kelvin, one or 2% blue light. Right? I was wondering that like at night I've started to light a candle like for, for light instead of Genius turning on mood. any light. Okay. I was wondering that. So it's about the same as sunrise lighting a candle. Okay. Right. Right. And that's a totally, totally different type of light also, because it's also, it's a thermal source light, right? So you think about the evolution of light in civilization. It started out from using fire, a source of light that comes from below. And that's something that we use for thousands and thousands of years. So obviously there's some evolutionary adaptation to that, but, uh, I, it, it seems that life pays attention to that so well as, you know, when you know about melanopsin, which is the blue light receptor that's in your eyes and in your tissues, the most important place to pay attention to is for sure your eyes, right? Because mm. we don't actually see any of the matter 
we're really only perceiving light, right? Even even in the ocular, in the in the visual aspect of of seeing light, right? Like we we see the light that's reflected off of the things in our environment, right? So that's how vision works as well. But the melanopsin receptors are mostly in the bottom of our eyes and and directly in the backside of our eyes. So that means that all of our circadian rhythm is mostly programmed by light that goes directly in from the front and comes from above, right? Mm. Because that's where the sun always was. So firelight from a campfire or from a candle that's next to you is never uh, as, as big of a problem as light that's from overhead, right? Interesting. Because, yeah. yeah, because it doesn't afflict with the melanopsin uh, directly, but also because it's very low in the blue range. So everyone already knows this, that blue light suppresses melatonin, right? But they don't know that melatonin is so, so important to regeneration because it is the very hormone that programs autophagy and apoptosis. No, and I have not heard that. So let will you, we know a little bit about autophagy. We've covered that. Um, I don't think I've covered apoptosis in this, um, in this podcast, and I certainly haven't covered how melatonin impacts both. So let's dive into that next. Mm-hmm. It's a process that's activated in your mitochondria, right? Which are the most important organelle in, inside the cell. And we know that definitively now, right? All of the modern research is proving that to us, that the mitochondria is the most important aspect that we need to pay attention to because it makes all of the energy in your body, right? So energy is in reality that the life that is, right? So as soon as you don't have energy, then you become a cadaver. Mitochondria are programmed by melatonin to induce autophagy and apoptosis. And without adequate levels of melatonin, you just flat out cannot accomplish it like you need to, right? Hmm. That's one of the programs of mother nature. That's why melatonin and cortisol are on an axis. That's why anytime your pituitary gland is um, being activated, you're, you're going to suppress melatonin. Meaning anytime that you're active and that you're in artificial light, you're destroying melatonin. So what really happens, right, when you don't get to uh, have enough autophagy and apoptosis? Mm -hmm. Whenever cells divide, whenever mitochondria replicate, they're replicating the more degraded versions of themselves, right? because that's how we're designed to be able to regenerate ourselves. That's what separates life and nature from machines. Machines, when the part goes bad, you have to change it out. But we have within us this miraculous ability to be able to regenerate. And whenever certain parts of the cell or the cell itself begins to go bad and represent disease, we can take it out and get rid of it build a new one that's better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to function. You have to focus in on your sleep and your environment to improve that mechanism most appropriately because that is the secret weapon to greatness. 
right? And that's why we cannot divorce ourselves from the cycles of Mother Nature, right? Anytime that you're restricting yourself from sleep or you think it's more important to binge watch this show and you stay up in a blue lit environment, what are you really doing? You're stealing biological time from the end of your life, right? Or whatever disease that you you're susceptible to later on, you're going in fast forward to get there. So there's a difference between chronological age and now there's something that's called chronobiological age, mm -hmm. right? Because we have the ability to stay up at night, we have the ability to age ourselves much, much faster, right? Has nothing to do with how much exercise our nutritional food that we eat, right? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I want you to just touch on apoptosis as well, um, because we haven't covered that. So just so that they know what that is. Um, and then it also makes me think about the importance of monitoring your light environment, specifically if you're using intermittent fasting to stimulate autophagy, because sure. what I'm hearing you say is if you're intermittently fasting, but you're staying up, late with a blue lit environment. And then perhaps you're working in a highly blue lit environment, you know, check your phone first thing in the morning, you're stimulating cortisol, suppressing melatonin and not getting all of the autophagy benefits that you want. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly correct. And you know, the, there's not a huge uh, difference that people need to understand between autophagy and apoptosis realistically, they're the same outcome. Mm -hmm. Autophagy is when uh, mitochondria or cells um, that recognize other diseased versions of themselves uh, can actually consume the other bad cells, right? Apoptosis is when a cell gets the sudden realization that it's sick or it has a disease it sort of just commits cell suicide. And mm -hmm. that's a really important process. That's a huge benefit. I think we have something around, it's like 25 to 50 trillion cells in our body, right? If autophagy know. and apoptosis are functioning appropriately, we can turn over up to 1 trillion cells in one restful night's sleep. That's right? crazy. Yeah. So when the circadian mechanism is intact, you are regenerating all of the bad cells in your entire body. So you can imagine any of the diseases that you're told that you're destined to have because you have a susceptibility in your genes. Mm -hmm. Don't look at it that way because there's another way. Mother Nature created a system to be able to keep you well you just have to stop making the mistakes that are divorcing you from being able to get her benefit. Right. And we mentioned one of those mistakes is staying up late, watching Netflix. We're all at least time guilty of it. Sometimes. Um, I think the words that you used earlier were so strong and that when you do that, you're either robbing, you know, the end of your life or you're expediating disease you know, and that's, that's the ultimate truth here that I think people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, as a geriatric physical therapist, I see polypharmacy all the time. 
So then people are stacking one medication on top of another, and especially to sleep. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we get back to the root of like, how do we fix this without a medication? So often you can get rid of most of your medications because now you're overall healthy. You know, you don't need one medication for high blood pressure, one for high blood sugar, one for poor sleep, one for cholesterol. It's just Mm -hmm. focus on those core principles of health. Um, we talked, I want to talk about like fixes here Mm -hmm. with your light environment. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked, I'd like to touch on what you were just describing though, really quickly so that people like get a better picture for um, how we got to where we are. You see the diseases we have today are chronic disease. The diseases of the past, um, you didn't have a ton of diseases in the past, uh, although you, you did have some pathological situations, right? So the real advent of modern medicine is antibiotics, anesthesia, and surgery, right? Mm-hmm. All of those are related to emergencies, yep. right? And people think that uh, humans actually live longer today than they used to. And I think that there's some convolution there in reality because there's a difference between lifespan and life expectancy, right? And we may be in a period of time where we have extended our life expectancy, right? Because we have solutions to, to emergency situations and severe injuries in the past. Like infection. mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. Uh, yet, however, um, our lifespan has always been around 75 to 85 years. Even when you look, you look in ancient texts, uh, pe- the human beings still had the opportunity to live to that age, right? So that's why you can begin to understand that, you know, there is some importance to using drugs. Drugs are designed to, to really help you survive an emergency situation because they directly affect and and can and can go and stop physiological function or um challenge the way that the mechanisms actually are working but how is that a problem like uh when you take them excessively or over a long period of time uh, it it doesn't facilitate the way that your body's designed to work right so you got to think we talked about how using candles and firelight are not really as a as a big deal when it comes to affecting the circadian mechanism well artificial light and electrification has only been around for around 150 years right mm-hmm. it wasn't until like 1895 i think it was that tesla and westinghouse created the first electrical plant in niagara falls right mm-hmm. And back then, the first light bulb was the equivalent of like $1,600 today, right? So very few people had access to something like that, Uh right? And it wasn't until the late 50s that mass electrification started to become rolled out across the United States, right? So you have to think, even even your grandparents and great-grandparents, they weren't using light bulbs like we do today, 
Right. I have to tell you a quick story about harvest. My husband's a farmer mm-hmm. and he works really hours during harvest. And my grandma grew up on a farm too. And I asked Nana, did your dad work as late as just Mark's? And she goes, no, honey. You know, he didn't have the light. <laughs> he, they sure. didn't have light on the combines to work they late. They had to it, go right? in. Yep. So just kind of a funny off story. That's a perfect example. Yeah. So it wasn't until around the 90s that people started to use screens chronically, right? With it, when computers became much more prevalent in the office space and when people started to use LED lighting, those are very sharp in the blue spectrum. Actually, even the incandescent bulbs that our grandparents and parents used that we used when we were kids are thermal source lighting. Mm-hmm. They're very low in blue light which is the direct wavelength that affects the circadian mechanism the most, right? Right. And I'm glad that you brought up that, you know, your husband is a farmer because uh, now we can kind of talk about what the seasonality is, right? Because it's not just the day and night that's a, a part of the cycle of nature, right? There's actually a summer and winter, right? So the environment that our ancestors evolved in was uh, one that had very strong solar yield during the summer for three or four months. You had long days and uh, then you had a restricted light and you had shorter days during the winter and they were exposed to a ton of cold. If you ever hear your grandparents tell stories, uh, they may have had a wood burning furnace, but they were really cold. They had to use like 10 quilts. That's what my grandma always says that yeah, 10 quilts just to be able, and they were still freezing. Right. And this is in Florida, right? So I can't mm-hmm. imagine the challenges up around your neck of the woods. Yeah. What some of, uh, yeah. What some of you guys went through, uh, even, even in the most previous century. Right. So in nature, what type of foods are actually available? Uh, in a seasonal affliction during the summer when there's a strong solar yield plants flourish and we have access to carbohydrates right yep so for a period of time we have higher insulin levels right and as you know the more we increase our insulin levels the more we start to store fat Mm -hmm. right and as we store fat during the summertime because we have the ability to engorge in carbohydrates and every time that we uh, elevate our insulin levels, what, what actually happens? We start to reduce our sensitivity to it. We start to become uh, insulin resistant. We become leptin resistant, right? Yep. We get fatter and fatter until the winter time is sort of like the evening or the nighttime of the year. Hmm. We don't have access to as much light and carbohydrates no longer grow. That means it wouldn't have been up to you whether you eat carbohydrates or not because Mother Nature is not allowing you to have access to them, right? So you would have to eat a higher protein, higher fat diet. And what do we have now, really? We constantly have long days. We constantly have carbohydrates. So humans are living in a perpetual summer where they never have the regeneration of night, they never have the regeneration of the wintertime to go back to burning, you know, more fatty acid oxidation and not so much glucose, right? 
Yeah, I so, love how you explain that. Yeah, when you have four summers a year, you're aging four times as rapidly. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see women now, are, and, and even men too, you know, they're, they're 20 years old, but they, they have the hormonal cycles of someone that's 50 years old, right? Right. Right. So yeah. what happens, and I'm sure that you probably discussed it with the elevation of cortisol. So when you have a chronic like 16-hour day, right, instead of, uh, and, and you only sleep five or six hours when you really should be sleeping seven, eight, nine. And, and if you're older, maybe even 10 hours, right? You're stealing from Peter to pay Paul, right? And cortisol gets chronically elevated. And that is derived from pregnenolone. It's the precursor as to cortisol, as well as your sex hormones, mm-hmm. right? So cortisol is necessary for survival sex hormones are not right Right. they're secondary to survival even though they're important so if you have to make cortisol all the time of course you're going to deplete all of your sex hormones because you're stealing all of the pregnenolone it's called pregnenolone steal syndrome to to make cortisol chronically right yeah and if you're constantly elevated in cortisol you never have the melatonin appropriately to be able to uh, regenerate all of your bad cells. You start to get sicker, you start to age faster, you start to have chronic inflammation, you end up with a disease, right? It doesn't matter what the disease is, that's uh, realistically how most of the problems that we have today are occurring. So I, li- I love how you explain that, especially with the four summers, you know, we're in a chronic state of summer, Um, this is kind of the next area of my lifestyle to optimize. And I wanted to just get maybe your top couple pieces of advice. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to the EMF. I hope we do, but we have about, um, 10 minutes left. And for someone who's listening and they're thinking, oh my gosh, my light environment is crap. Um, I'm in blue light all the time. I work in an office. I go home. My spouse wants to watch TV what pieces of advice do you have for them to reduce the blue light, reduce the cortisol, increase the melatonin, and then thus increase cellular regeneration, autophagy, and help reduce ultimately the insulin resistance that I help people overcome? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's really important to know about that as well is that melatonin is what what actually helps to uh, resensitize the insulin receptor as well, mm, right? So that's an important aspect to understand if someone that, that does have uh, diabetes or is uh, suffering from obesity. But what you really need to do is you have to prioritize any of the free time that you possibly have, right? Like uh, I have some patients coming up today Yet, um, you know, I'm not inside wasting time when I can be outside being productive like we are here. Yeah. Because even though I'm looking at this screen, I'm actually in full spectrum sunlight. So I'm never worried about blue light anytime I'm outside during the day. 
Interesting. Okay. Because I also I can always have the more balancing wavelengths coming out of the sun. It's fifty percent red light on average. Okay. So another important thing is achieving proper exposure to the sun during the AM is by far the most important, right? Why is because, that again? Because Carrie mm -hmm. Carrie B touched on this at the time this airs, it'll be a couple months ago, but explain why morning sun exposure is so important. Mm -hmm. Because as you sleep through the night in the darkness, uh, your body is going through a ton of regeneration and all the pathways that it needs to at that time. But wakefulness needs activation from your external environment. So to be able to synchronize that scheduling appropriately, you need to have the light progression from the sun, meaning from a dim orangish glow and an increase in all of the wavelengths and all of the intensities to be able to program your circadian rhythm, right? So since we've been in darkness all night, or you should have been, your your body is like a sponge that has been ringed out waiting for any and every amount of light information that it can get to be able to know what to do next, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's very little UV in the morning time, and it increases towards solar noon. So it's that progression and that low UV light that helps build collagen. I'm sure that you understood a lot of the aspects about how red light and how infrared light help build collagen for the later intense wavelengths like UVB and UVA that are, are more damaging. Hmm. They're not damaging to the extent that dermatologists want you to believe because, you know, if you truly believe mother nature over science, which I think that everyone should, none of us were born wearing any kind of clothes, any kind of contacts, sunglasses, and we didn't have shoes underneath our feet either. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Carrie B talked about grounding a little bit, which I thought was really interesting. What are your, what's your opinion on blue light blocking glasses? So you said, try to get outside as much as you can try to prioritize morning sunlight when the sun is rising so that we get a lot of red light. What about blue light blocking glasses or other things that maybe employees in an office setting can do to optimize their light environment? Anytime that you're exposed to blue light during the day, you should be using yellow blue light blocking glasses. Okay. The ones that are clear are ineffective because they okay. don't filter out enough right now those are the ones that i have right now they're slightly yellow but not very yellow so yeah, you want to have glasses one. that are actually yellow lens okay and you can also use f lux and iris i think those are really important those are really good software to use on the computer that can reduce the amount of blue light that you're being exposed to you want e to use those will you spell that e is it ef L-U-X or E-F-F-L-U-X? F dot L-U-X. Okay, F dot L-U-X. And then the other one was Iris. Iris, yeah. 
IRIS. Yeah, that's a really good software. And you want to use it at its highest function. Okay. And you you want to use that all the time, you know, if you're indoors away from natural sunlight. At nighttime, it becomes even more important. And you need to wear blue blocking glasses that are red amber color. Okay. And I can tell you that many of the the different types of glasses are inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So um, make sure that uh, you're you're getting better quality glasses. A, a lot of them are different, right? So um, I found inconsistencies with a company called Swanwick, which I think most people buy their glasses from. Uh, there are a couple of pretty decent ones out there that are affordable. I prefer Spectra 479 is a is a mm -hmm. decent company that has a decent price right there are better ones on the market but i think for the price and for the functionality those are decent buy and as soon as the sun sets you really want to be wearing those glasses because in nature there is no blue light at all right in the environment yeah it's and you dark. need to protect yourself from that yet yeah. so by doing those things you're going to program your circadian rhythm more appropriately. Good. Okay. And then real quick, we have a couple minutes. Talk about the EMF devices in the ears. Um, and if you can kind of summarize why we should reconsider wearing those, mm -hmm. that would be great. Yeah. Well, there's an entirely another problem there, which is why, you know, if you want to come to a complete understanding of how to mitigate your environment, I really recommend that you, you begin to work with someone that understands quantum biology and can teach you all of the things that you need to appropriately mitigate your home environment, your office environment, your work environment, so that you can understand how your environment can help facilitate your wellness and isn't constantly stealing energy from you. But, you know, now that we live in electrical boxes, with uh, you know all of the cables running through the walls right and most people sleep right next to their walls they're not realizing that there are fields emitted from those cables because we don't use shielded conduit and the wireless technology that we're using is directly affecting external environmental communication in the same way because the emf is electromagnetic fields that means that it is in fact forms of light, right? Hmm. That are beyond the visible spectrum. So it affects our vitality and our cellular communication in a similar fashion, right? Blue light itself is an EMF, right? Hmm. So those fields, uh, most of the research is done by Robert Becker and Andrew Marino, right? Which were biophysicists that studied the electromagnetic body in the 60s and they ultimately proved without a shadow of a doubt that emf exposure meaning wireless technology and any type of electrical technology when you're exposed to it it puts cells into a stressed state right because the cell membrane has a very sensitive fidelity. There's a polarity there that can be affected by waves, 
right? And that's what EMFs are. They're electromagnetic waves. And when you're putting cell into a stressed state, what does that mean for the entire body? It means an elevation in cortisol. What does that also mean? That means elevated in blood glucose, blood insulin, chronically, right? Because we're around these type of things now constantly. We're bathing in them. Yeah. And they didn't exist. Right? Yeah. And that's the difference between the environment that our grandparents had and the one that we're creating right now for ourselves and for our families. Yeah. See what I mean? Well, I think we could keep talking for a couple hours, um, but let's wrap it up for today. I have office hours in just a couple minutes. So tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and your work. Yeah. Anybody that wants to find me could just go to my website, optimallight.net or find me on Instagram, Facebook, optimal light doc yeah message me anytime reach out it's been really enlightening pun intended to talk with you today (laughs) thanks Corey, so much and we'll talk again soon it's my pleasure morgan it was a great opportunity to be here with you today thanks for listening to the reshape your health podcast today if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe leave a rating and review and don't forget to tell a friend To learn more and connect online, check out the links in the show notes.